Plundergrounds, Plundergrounds, welcome back to a brand new show. Ray's gonna take you where you didn't know you wanted to go. Fantasy and dungeon delve, science fiction, watch yourselves. Hi everybody, it's April 25th, 2019. I'm Ray Otis, and this is Plundergrounds. We're going to start things off today with a call-in from Tim Shorts of Gothridge Manor and Evil Jeff of Minions and Musings. Hey, Ray. Evil Jeff here. Just listened to your 5e podcast. Really appreciate the thought you put into it. Uh, As you're a designer of games, you can look at it from that critical eye and point out some things that some of us may not readily see. Uh, And some of us have been playing for a while do see it out there. Appreciate you. Uh, giving an honest opinion about it. I agree with your thought about the races and classes. While they sit there and say, hey, why don't you play something different against the norm, with all the advantages baked in and so forth, you're going to see that, as I think Frostoff said, samey, samey. You know, a lot of characters are going to be like that. So not really going against the norm. Gave me some food for thought. Probably going to Already going to do a 5e podcast. Might talk about my experiences. Appreciate it. Catch you later. Was it Frostoff or was it Rob C. of Down in a Heap? Hmm, the world may never know. <laughs> actually, if you stay tuned until the end of this, they're going to set the record straight for you. But I actually did mention uh, Frostsoft's Thought Eater podcast, and I meant to reference Rob C.'s Down in a Heap podcast. Rob did a three-part series called The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly on 5e, and that's the one I thought was a nice counterpoint to Spike Pitt's podcasts on 5e that have gone through, gosh, I think he's done six of them now or something like that. Uh, I also would like to say that I did not intend to sound super negative about 5e. I think it's a great system. Um, I would rather play it than a lot of other fantasy systems. I wouldn't rather play it than BX or Original Edition or something like Troika, but that's just my personal preference. And 5e is definitely a close second. Um, A lot of the complexity that I pointed out, I think it comes in two buckets. One of them is all the built-in flavor, which is fine if you lean into what D&D is and you just kind of embrace that and say, that's the world I'm playing in. That's what I want. That's the shared experience I want with other gamers. Um, then it's great. Okay. All that baked-in flavor actually helps. I mean, I'm a fan of the baked-in flavor in Into the Odd and Troika, so I can't really criticize 5e for having baked-in flavor um, when I don't criticize those games for having or In fact, I praise those games for having it. Uh, the other bucket is things that I think are systematically a little overly complex or awkward. Um, but honestly, the end result of that is mostly in character creation. And now that D&D Beyond is out there and it's a great resource and you could build a character in D&D Beyond in like 20 minutes, even making all your decisions and all those penalties and bonuses are already added in. So at the table, you just look down at your character sheet and there's the number that you add to your role. I feel like you look at the character sheet a little too much in D&D. Um, you know, because I feel like there's too many answers there or too many things that I think like when I'm not sure what I'm supposed to be doing, I kind of look down at the character sheet, but maybe that's me and maybe that's not the character sheet. Anyway, um, I don't mean to sound super negative. I think 5e is a good game and I will say that Spike Pit is right about a lot of things. And one of them is that, uh, this, the complexity is probably a little overstated, uh, in terms of how it actually plays at the table and that 
this is the game we have now, right? This is the current iteration of D&D, and it's a good one. And it's what most new players at the hobby shop are, are going to want to play. So if you want to be part of that, you're going to have to embrace 5e. You're going to have to get over it. Um, and I would you know, further that and say, stop trying to turn it into something else. Don't try to turn it into an old school game. Don't try to pair everything off of it. You might be able to, to limit it by taking a few things out. Um, like I think Bill Angus, um, who did our uh, Nordic campaign earlier this year, he did a great job of limiting 5e without limiting 5e, if that makes sense, by flavoring it up um, just by taking out some of the classes and stuff. And it wasn't so much... Uh, prohibiting us from playing those classes. It was just saying like, okay, this, the world we're going to play in doesn't have those classes. So, uh, and it didn't feel like a limitation to me. It felt like a flavor event. So you can do that. And I I think that's something you can do. I think when you start changing out rules, say like, you know, we're not going to do death saves, we're going to do something else, or magic's going to work a different way, or, um, you know, we're not going to use advantage, disadvantage or something like that. You can't really monkey with those. Those are at the root of the system. You could probably get away with stripping off inspiration. And frankly, I think you should. I don't really think that mechanic is worth much, but yeah, 5e, perfectly good. I'll just say it now, especially since I named my last podcast, let's take that spike pit. Um, <laughs> that was tongue in cheek and uh, I hope nobody took that seriously, but uh, I will say spike pit was right. You can, uh, you know what? I think I'm going to go leave that spike pit. I know you're listening. I'm going to go leave that in your voicemails uh, so you can use it as a bumper. I know. I wish I had a recording of my wife saying I was right. Maybe I'll hear that one of these days. Hey, I want to talk about something I got in the mail. It's really cool. I love getting gaming stuff in the mail. Um, I got a little zine called Nuggets Number no. 2. It is from Rich Fraser of the Cockatrice Nuggets podcast. It's got a cool drawing of a cockatrice on the front. Looks like something out of a medieval bestiary. Probably um, a bit of public domain art, but super cool nonetheless. Um, in fact, sometimes I think public domain art is the best art. Uh, it is called Velt of the Lizards. And this little zine, a nice cardboard cover or cardstock cover, details a mega hex within a larger map. So the mega hex appears on page four, and way back at the back inside cover, or just next to the back inside cover, is a hex map that is, um, oh goodness, it must be 20 by 30 or something like that. It's a pretty big hex map. But, uh, oh, actually, it's numbered, so I can tell you. It is 18, no, it's 19 columns by... Is it just 19 rows? It's 19 by 19. All right. My guess wasn't too far off. Um, and then and the mega hex on page four also has numbers on it so you know exactly where it fits in the overall map. So this mega hex is the Velt of the Lizards. The zine begins with uh, one page on hex crawling, which gives you travel times through various terrains. Uh, and then there's an encounter table with descriptions of the monsters encountered. It's not specific to a system. There's not, uh, I don't believe there's any stats in here. Yeah, it's not. It's system agnostic, which is cool. Um, certainly you can find most of these things in whatever system you're using. We've got bandits and spooked miners and uh, lizard folk warriors, stuff like that. So pretty easy to find stats for all those things or just make them up on the fly depending on what system you're using his encounter table is interesting it uses a d4 and a d6 so it's got a curve to it but it's a little odd curve um it's neat um, haven't tried it out yet so i don't know how it works but i think it work, will work great um he also has a rumors table and um with a number of rumors and he tells you whether they're true or false on in that table of course don't want to name off any of them because i don't want to um give away anything uh, to the players, but I'll give you, I'll give you a rumor without telling you whether it's true or false. 
Uh, a fae living in Lion's Grotto knows the location of a great treasure. Okay? Maybe maybe that fae does, and maybe it doesn't. Maybe there's no fae living in there at all. Maybe it's a monster. Who knows? Uh, and so then the rest of the pages usually have like one location per page. Um and they're numbered by the hexes. So basically it's one hex or one location per page. We have Coraptius's lair. I'll let you guess who or what Coraptius is. Um, a haunted mine, stinging winds gulch, something called the sword mouths lair, um, which I believe is some kind of big monster. Uh, Lake of the ancients, garden of Manox, grotto of the lion, dragon's home. Oops, I gave something away there, didn't I? Um, sorry, it's not Dragon's Home. It's a dungeon called Dragon's Home. So it's a, uh, e- oh, so this is interesting. The last two things in here are dungeons. Well, not the last two things, but close to the last two things here are dungeons, and they are descriptive. They're not mapped, but they're described in such a way. They're kind of mini dungeons, almost like uh, Barrow Maze would be. Um, you know, just uh, several rooms each, and they're described in such a way you can very easily visualize it. In fact, it's almost more helpful to have this description than it is to have a map because it's fairly easy to doodle out a map, but um, no matter what your artistic talent is, but uh, being able to describe this well is kind of helpful to have the, a good description here. So it describes some of the encounters in there and what some of the tactics of the monsters will be. and So that's cool. Um, so two of those. Uh, and... Then we've got uh, magic items, a couple magic items. We've got um, a three, I think, four, something like that. Oh no, there's more, five or six. Yeah, pretty good. And then I'm gonna take, um, I am gonna take a little bit of issue with this, Fraser. If you're listening, um, you've got an empty page here. All you had to do was ask. I got art laying around. I'd have, I'd have donated it. Just ask next time. You don't need to make an empty page. All right, and then he's got credits at the end uh, along with his URL and the aforementioned large hex map. Super cool. Uh, probably going to run this for somebody. Looks like it, you know, it's a, several evenings worth of entertainment probably as they explore these hexes. Um, at least a session. I can't imagine it wouldn't be two or three sessions at least. But, um, you know, reasonable art. There's, there's about one piece per page. Mostly public domain art. All, all pretty good stuff. Um, well-written. And so if you want this thing, I, you know what? I should have done my homework. Um, I don't know if you can get it through RPG, but I'm pretty sure you can get it through his Patreon. So if you go looking for Rich Frazier, um, I, th- I think the Patreon is actually called Cockatrice Nuggets. And I'm pretty sure there's not two of those out there. So if you just Google Cockatrice Nuggets, you'll find probably his podcast and his Patreon and all kinds of other stuff. So first of all, thank you, Rich, for sending this to me. Second of all, um, you all should go support him. Uh, he's doing some cool stuff. I like it. I like it. Rich, now th- I'm going to show my bad memory again. Rich, I think you're the one that does the, the um, in fact, I'm pretty sure you're the one that does the uh, podcast where you do some prep on air and you got the clickety-clack keyboard. I like that. I was falling asleep last night and the clickety-clack came on and I was like, what the, what the hell is that? Where is that at? <laughs> I thought it was somewhere in my hotel room. And the, <laughs> But it's kind of a comforting sound once you know what it is and, and that it's not some gerbil eating cheese under your bed. I'm in Mexico, by the way, so I probably have ridiculous, um, uh, stereotypical, like in, in paranoia in my head from what dumb things people say about uh, when, when they don't understand what goes on in other countries. It's very nice down here, I'm having a great time, and the people are amazing. So, yeah, Mexico's cool. All right, that's it for me. Uh, oh, but uh, we do have some voicemails, and uh, I think this first one is from. Is it from Rob C? 
Hmm. Ray, this is Rob C. from the Down in a Heat podcast, broadcasting from beautiful Minneapolis. And I'm hoping to set the record straight once and for all to help you grasp the difference between froth and eyes, dulcet tones. The last thing I would ever dream of doing is adding to any further confusion and making it hard for you to tell us apart. So hopefully this direct message uh, will clarify things and uh, once and for all put put to rest any uh, confusions and, and that sort of thing. Uh, that you have between Froth from Thought Eater and me, Rob C., from Down in a Heap. Again, this is Rob C. Study my voice. Listen to how I talk. I think you'll finally get it after this message. It's as clear as I can make it that this is Rob C. Hey, Ray. It's us. We enjoyed listening to your analysis of the 5e basic rules. And thanks for shouting out our podcast. Thought I went down and ate a heap. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. Woo, I'm glad that's cleared up. I'll probably never confuse you guys ever again. (laughs) Hey, this is Ray Otis. I'm signing off. It's been another Plundergrounds. The opening theme music is by... Yeah, you already know the answer to this, right? Logan Howard of the Swordbreaker podcast. You can find a gateway website to all my stuff at www.rayotus.com. That's R-A-Y-O-T-U-S. And until next time, look out for Rust Monsters. <laughs>